Thanks for joining us for another great message from Futures Church Australia. We hope it inspires you, encourages you, blesses you and brings you joy. For more information about our church, go online to futures.church. And now for our message. I've been consumed with a subject in the last few months of my life. And it is the reality of the presence of God. The presence of God. And I wanna talk to you about that today. Everything I read, everything that seems, conversations I have, I'm in the scriptures, songs I'm, I'm listening to, and just that prompting of my heart. And so today we're gonna to open the Bible to 2 Samuel chapter six. There's a lot in this story and we're just gonna unpack it rapid fire. Because in this story, there are three particular characters that we're gonna draw from. One is a Philistine, one is a king, the other is a princess. And each of them have got lessons for us. The prime focus of this one comes from the life of King David. King David loved the presence of God, whether he was out on a far hill playing his harp to a few sheep, or whether he was in a palace, he loved the presence of God. When he made the biggest mistake of his life, he realized what was now missing after he'd just committed gross sin, he goes, you know what? The thing that I'm missing is the presence of God. I need to deal with things that are roadblocks that separate me from the presence of the Creator in my life. I remember in, in Psalm 51, I was reading it again this morning, one of his prayers in verse 11. He said, do not take me from your presence or don't take me away from the power and the person of your Holy Spirit. He couldn't bear the thought of living without the presence of God. So, miraculously, he becomes the king of his nation. And one of his first missions was to bring the presence of God back to his city. And, and this story is all about that. And, and, and so he, his mission was to go and get the ark. Long story, you can read it through the, the narrative of the Old Testament, but the ark, which represents the tangible presence of God amongst his people, had been taken. King David said, you know what? That's the one thing that's gonna make a difference in lives and community. I'm gonna go and get the presence of God. And so um, he gets out on, on that mission and we can read in at the start of 2 Samuel chapter six, it's, it's actually a bit of a, a sad story because they go in the first eight verses, they go to get the, the Ark of the Covenant and somebody comes up, there's always someone who goes, I got a good idea, right? So this guy, I got a great idea. Why carry this thing, it's heavy? Let's put it on a cart. It'll be a new cart because we're carrying God. And uh, well, that didn't end well. It just didn't end well. You see, the presence of God is never meant to be subcontracted. It's never meant to be mechanized. It's never, it's always, hear me, the Ark of the Covenant, the presence of God is always meant to be carried on the shoulders of priests. I'm here with good news today. Through Jesus, you've all been made a kingdom of priests. We're all priests. And we are meant to carry our, the presence of God back to our homes, to our schools, colleges, workplace, and neighbourhoods. Every day of our lives, we're not meant to, oh, that's someone else's job. I oh, will let that happen in that space. We're not gonna leave the presence of God on YouTube. We're not gonna leave it in a building. It's meant to be carried on our shoulders. So they tried something else, didn't work well, and 
we won't go into that today because it's a G-rated family show. It's, so, verse nine, let's pick it up. King David calls time out. He goes, hang on, hang on. This is totally gone pear-shaped. Let's revisit how we bring the presence of God back to our city. David was afraid of the Lord that day. There was dramas around it. God reacted to, to these people just, oh, I think treating the presence of God lightly. He says, it's time out. He says, how can the ark of the Lord ever come to me? And verse 10 says, he was not willing to take the ark of the Lord to be with him in the city of David. This is where it gets interesting. This is where we introduce the Philistine. Instead, he took it to the place of Obed-Edom, the Gittite. Say Gittite. Gittite. That's a resident of Git. No, it's of Gath. If you've ever read the Old Testament and you see the name of Gath, a name might come to mind. It's a big guy, bigger than Seth, called Goliath, a massive enemy of God's people that caused great intimidation. Now, they're in the region of Gath at the household of Obed-Edom. See, there's all kinds of problems. God's reacted to, to these people treating His presence lightly. King David says, well, no, we need a little time out here while we rethink our strategy. He says, what are we gonna do? We can't leave God out here in the rain. And so somebody says, there's a guy up there, look at the letterbox, Obed-Edom. So he goes and knocks on the door. He says, hello, we've, um, we've got God out there on the trailer and wondered if you would mind if we brought him in while we think about our strategies. So the Bible actually tells us a little later that Obed-Edom welcomed the presence of God. This is crazy, right? Obed-Edom was a Philistine. He was part of a group that were the rank enemies of God's people. In fact, they were pagans. In fact, they, they, they did everything they could to stop the advancement of God's kingdom. Now, God's redemptive work was at place. In fact, when I read the story of Obed-Edom, I go, he's just like me. I was once long way from God. I was once His enemy, but somehow graciously, there was a knock on the door of my heart. And He said, would you let Him in? He comes in and He changes everything. Obed him. Let's the presence of God. Look what happens in verse 11. This gets really cool. The ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, for three months. If this was a movie, the music we just begin to rise a little because it says, and the Lord blessed him and his entire, say entire, entire household. The glory of the Lord changes everything. The presence of God in a life, in a family, in a community changes everything. We've already heard some stories today of young lives radically saved because they let the power of the presence of God in. Everything about Obed-Edom's life and his household changed because they said, hey God, you and your presence are welcome in our house. Whoa, everything changed. Every morning, school days, Kids were waking their parents up. 
They never fought once on their way to church. They volunteered to do housework. The presence of God was amazing. His livestock, let me tell you, his cows were giving fully pasteurized, flavored milk when he milked them. The sheep had to be sheared every week. It was radical. He'd look in his fields. The the grapes were the size of oranges. His oranges were the size of watermelons. It was crazy. And he didn't even live under a power line. This was amazing. Everything about his house was blessed. You see, when the presence of God comes in, things change forever. I was sharing about my book. My dad, we buried my dad two years ago. He was my hero, he was my friend, my mentor, and my confidant. And I remember at his funeral, my niece, my sister's daughter, got up and she looked at the largest funeral I've ever been part of, either in person or online. And she looks at this crowd and she looks a photo on the wall of my dad just standing there preaching with a microphone in his hand. And she looks at that photo and she looks at the crowd. And she said this, this is all she said. She said, I wonder what the people who used to see my dad stumble, my granddad stumble through a small country town, drunk, without teeth, without shoes, and often without a shirt. I wonder what they would think of the patriarch and the hero that we're celebrating today. And she said, the only difference between that drunk and this patriarch is Jesus. I said, drop the mic. Best preaching I heard all year. You see, when the presence of God comes in, He sets you free. Come on, when the presence of God comes in, peace comes with Him. When the presence of God comes in, power comes in, joy comes in. Everything changes when you welcome the presence of God. Favour flows. His entire family felt the effect of the presence of God. We're about to start a brand new school year. Do not start this year without welcoming the presence of God. God's into families. Hey, He created, we were created by a family, for family. He loves family. And as you start this year, say, welcome Holy Spirit. We need you. So it's interesting. Obed-Edom, he could never have imagined what his life and family would be like. This is a Philistine. This isn't one of these guys that grew up, you know, a descendant of Abraham with everything going cool. No, no, he was an outsider like many of us. Some of us didn't grow up in church. Some of us haven't had Christian heritage in our our lineage. But hey, somehow or other, we were invited in. The presence of God just turned up and we opened our life and everything changed. And Obed-Edom's life goes, I never want to be without this ever in my life. And then one day, boom, 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 boom. There's another knock on the door. King Dave and his men standing there. Um, We want God back. Um, yep, no, there's no ark. There's, sorry, there's no trailer. Just a few people ready to carry him. So uh, if you don't mind, we'd like the ark. Could you imagine how Obedeon felt? This was 
life-changing. And now you're taking him from me and take not your Holy Spirit from me. So you know what Obed-Edom did? Instead of getting bent out of shape, here he did. He followed the ark. In fact, not just him, if you read the, the narrative of Obed-Edom's family, he's in there, he pops up a couple of times and wherever you find Obed-Edom, you'll find the presence of God. Mm. In 1 Chronicles 26, you read that Obed-Edom's sons and his grandsons, there were 62 of them in all. All of them were talented. All of them carried incredible gifts. All of them carried a passion for the presence of God. And as you follow it down, remember, this is a rank pagan family until the presence of God turned up. And the narrative goes on and it tells you that 62 of Obed-Edom's household were all incredibly gifted and all of them became musicians or gatekeepers in the house of God. Crazy, crazy, changed everything. They had tasted the glory of God and the generations that followed Him wanted the presence of God generationally things shifted because one man said, you are welcome in our family. That's my story and no doubt it's the story repeated many times in this room and many times with our friends online. Amazing. See, I believe in generational blessing. Book of Deuteronomy chapter seven tells me that he wants to bless up to 1,000 generations. That's our God. Psalm 92 tells, oh, I love this. Psalm 92 tells me those that are planted, say planted, not occasionally visit, but those that are planted in the house of God, they're gonna flourish even in old age. I don't know what that is. An old person is always for the rest of my life gonna be one year older than me. But even in old age, they're still gonna be thriving in life. We, we had, we had an at Hope Centre last Sunday, what you're having next week, we had a, what we call Back to School Sunday. And we prayed over families and kids and teachers and chaplains and allied uh, educational workers and we prayed over them all and we noticed this one thing. This one thing we noticed, that in our church, there is just this multitude of young men and women that rise up to become school captain. Radical. Pound for pound, you get checked that against any other community group, any other footy club, you know, there's something about households that make a choice where mums and dads or mums and dads said, as for me and my house, as for me and my house, we're gonna serve the Lord. I'm gonna set an example of being faithful in the house. We're gonna dwell in the house of God because there's something about His presence. We gotta make a choice. What's gonna shape the next generation? TikTok or the Word of God? Seriously. We gotta make a choice. What atmosphere is gonna cause our kids to thrive? Is it a secular society or the presence of God? I'm a, I, I'm a, I'm a dad whose both his boys are now serving God in their mid thirties. I got five grandkids. And over our house, we continue to declare the blessing of God. And I know stuff's gonna come and I know challenges are gonna rise, but I'll tell you what, we wanna give them a great head start by making this our philosophy. David himself declared in Psalm 26, said, Lord, 
I love the house where you live. The place where your glory dwells. The place where your presence, your power, where in a New Testament setting your ark is. So David, when he was told about the blessing of God on that household, this is something that's really strong on my heart. When he was told about the blessing on that house, you know what he said? We can't bottle it up in four walls. The community needs this. The nation needs this. There's a missiologist that I have great respect for. His name is Ralph Winter. He said this, listen. Until the future of the world matters more to the church than the future of the church, the church has no future. Oh, I love this. I love the presence of God. We had our whole family at our house yesterday. 90 degree heat and 150% humidity in Brisbane yesterday. It just floated like grease spots on the top of our pool. And just as, as they all left, I go, man, this is amazing. The glory of God. When I think back just one generation behind me, my dad, what, what could our family have been? Everything changed because of the presence of God. But you know something? We're not meant to just keep it to ourselves. King David said, this can't stay in one house. It's got to get across to everybody of all generations of every suburb and town in our nation. They need what Obadiah's got. Do you ever live going, you know what? I, I, want to, I want to live a life where the neighbors go, I want what they've got. There's so many things in our life that have come, not because we're clever or well-connected. It's the, the only thing I go, it, that was God. That's Obed-Edom's story. David said, you know what, we, we gotta go and bring it to more people. In verse 12, David was told, the Lord has blessed the household of Obed-Edom and everything he has. Here's a big word, because, say because. See, it wasn't an accident, it was a consequence. Because of the Ark of God. So David went to bring up the Ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David with rejoicing. Now, this is where it gets really cool. This is where it gets really cool. Look at what we see accompanies the presence of God. Or if I had a little subtitle in this message, it would be called, What Happens When God Comes to Town? What Happens When God Comes to Town? First thing is there was rejoicing. Verse, verse 14, this is not somber. This, this could be bad news for somebody. Not in this church, but that church. So um, this, this could be bad news. See, when God comes to town, golf claps don't exist. Come on, let's give the Lord a praise offering. No, 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 no. The Bible says, clap your hands, all you people, and shout to God. <laughs> with a voice of triumph. The Bible says in verse 14, David was wearing a linen ephod. Now there's a whole lot of thoughts about what that could have been. Let me just, let me just simplify it. It's workwear for a priest. So what he did was, he said, I'm not here to impress anybody. So he took off his kingly robes and he got down to the basics. And he said, this is just me and God. This is not me impressing anybody. And he was dancing before the Lord 
with all his might. If you bring three friends tonight, I have it on good report that Pastor Josh is prepared to come, and, but everybody has to do it. Dance before the Lord in a little ephod with all his might. Who would, who would, who would, bring, who, okay. So anyway, just saying, that's, that's the word around town. He was dancing. Anybody here a good dancer? Josh, you're gonna find out tonight, baby. I, I was at a wedding a little while ago. You know, that, like, you do a wedding. I don't do many anymore, but I was at this wedding and the, the bride doesn't even get the pastor up. So I, I, I just, uh, I was born without a sense of timing. Every now and then I, I actually just watch the drummer. And I, I, was, I, was, I was at this wedding, you know, do the bridal waltz thing. And so I, I'm there and I'm actually starting to say to myself, I'm actually, I'm actually getting pretty good at this. Until Lynn lovingly whispers in my ear, she said, you are absolutely hopeless. So that was the end of my dancing career. But in the presence of God, hey, 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 you dance before the Lord. Some of us have got to let our lips, our hands and our feet know what our heart knows. You gotta, remember from the old days, you know that ad, I'm dancing on the inside? Well, I don't know. If we're so excited about what God has done, we can bottle it up. You bottle it up, you bust. Come on. There was rejoicing, he was passionate. It was also noisy. I actually am really concerned about some Christians. Here's my concern, they may not like heaven. because it's loud. Bible tells me gazillions of people around the throne from every tribe, tongue, nation, they're gonna be around this throne saying with a loud voice, worthy is the Lamb. Verse 15, while he and all Israel were bringing up the ark of the Lord with shouts, with the sound of trumpets, it was getting loud. Let me tell you, there, there is something you notice when there's a move of God happening. You can't just feel it. Some Christians get a little mm, off on the feelings. You can, you can see it and you can hear it. You can hear it, it's loud. And, and, and go on with me, the, the glory of God also, it actually invokes generosity. Ooh. You don't need a preacher with a tear in their eye begging you to give at offering time when there's a move of God going down. When those who were carrying the ark of the Lord had taken six steps, they just started. One, two, three, four, five, six, stop. They sacrificed a bull and a fatted calf. There are some Bible teachers that interpret the original text as saying it wasn't just the first six, it was every six steps. Oh, in other words, when you are excited about the presence of God, a natural response is generosity. We don't sit and debate, now is tithing Old Testament and New Testament, is a covenant, stop it. When you realize how much God has given you, you can never outgive God. There's a sense of generosity. I am hearing across the nation moves of God. And in this, in this space, pastors are telling me, we, it, is, it is crazy we're not having to beg the people some of the largest offerings we've ever had. 
Some of the largest gifts, I'm gonna tell you, last year in December, somebody rang me out of the blue, largest offering ever had in one go. Other pastors are telling me. People are walking in, this guy that I hardly even know sits in the third back row, walked in and cleared the mortgage, millions. This is happening in churches where the presence of God is. See, there's this sense of generosity that flows out of a deep appreciation. I'm not here to talk about money. I'm here to talk about the state of our heart and our response to what God is doing. And just as when God is moving, you see it in the book of Acts, His people not only bless the Lord, they, they love to bless each other. Verse 18 and 19. After they'd finished sacrificing the burnt offerings, in other words, first to God, seek first the kingdom, right? fellowship offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord Almighty. This is really cool, verse 19. Then he gave them a loaf of bread, gluten-free, a cake of dates, and a cake of raisins to each person in the crowd of Israelites, both men and women. He said, there you go. That'll keep you regular. And, and all the people went to their home. I think this is cool. It's just generosity going that way, this way, everywhere. You know, right now, I'm hearing all across the church, oh, say, oh, that's a nice car. How come you're driving that? Isn't that someone says, oh, no, they gave it to me. Students where people are going, oh, I was going to trade and you trade my car, but you know, I thought, you know what, I can bless a young uni student. This is happening all over the place. That happens when the ark comes amongst God's people. You, you don't bottle up blessing. Unfortunately, there is a third player in this. Oh, gotta hurry. They're about to play hurry up and finish music. Let me go quick. So Spirit walked for Saul. He, he, he goes home to face the music. He walks in the front door. He's had the best day of his life. It's crazy. Worshipping God, sacrificing bulls, giving out cakes full of raisins. It's, it's just been the craziest day. He is so excited because he knows what God's going to do. He saw it in one house. He just said, can you imagine if the whole, fa whole family, you imagine if the whole nation comes under this blessing? So he's excited. He's dancing, singing, shouting, and he walks in, opens the door, and the temperature drops 20 degrees. Because there is a woman called Michael. Some call her Michal. And she's been watching. So it's so a question. This, this is just theoretical. I wouldn't know anything about it. But have you ever been out fishing in a boat and just the favor of God comes on you and you plan to only be out four hours but drags out like maybe eight hours and, and you get home really late and so late you forgot to pick up the kids from footy training. I, I, this is only, you know, I know people like that. And, uh, and so you walk in the room, you've had the best day of your life, <laughs> but you're home to face the music. So I, I, I've heard about that. So spare a thought for King David. He walks in the house. He says, and there, as the ark was entering the city of David, Michal, daughter of Saul, watched from a window. It was a very narrow window because she was a very narrow-minded person. You, you know, you know what, what instantly stands out for me? 
be very careful that you don't isolate yourself and watch rather than participate in what God is doing. Folded her arms, reading the music, reading the preaching, checking this, checking that, evaluating, assessing, criticizing. In fairness, this poor lady had her own pain and disappointment from the reader. When she saw King David leaping and dancing before the Lord, she despised him in her heart. Now, listen, you can have your own pain. You may have come from another church or a personal situation that has hurt you. Can I tell you, this is a place of healing. It's not a place to fester and then let the poison destroy. She became really cynical. This is when David returned home to bless his household. Michael came out to meet him. Listen to her. You could see her. Eyebrow up. And she says, how the king of Israel, you can hear the tone come from How the king of Israel has distinguished himself today. Going around half naked in full view of the slave girls, not just the slave girls, but the slave girls of the servants. This is the lowest end of society. As any vulgar fellow, when she was judging him and judging his motives, she was removed. Here's, here's the challenge the Holy Spirit gave me in the last season of my life. Don't dismiss what you don't understand. I used to look at some people, ah, oh, that's fanatical. My old mentor who I had the joy of serving with only 18 months ago in New Zealand, Wiki Prattney was his name. Wiki's 100 years old. What a blessing he was to those of us that were starting the Youth Alive ministry. And one day he was talking about a situation. I said, ah, oh, Wiki, they're a fanatic. He looked at me and went, <laughs> you know what a fanatic is? I said, what? He said, somebody who loves Jesus more than you do. leave that alone I, I was I was in a prayer meeting a little while ago big city wide one and it was freezing cold middle of June freezing Brisbane sky and and I'm there Lynn had other responsibility couldn't be there she was at home and I'm sending her texts along with a couple of my mates and there's people there with banners and flags and one guy with a chauffeur you know and I'm sitting have a look at this you know, sinless stuff, you know, being a little bit arrogant. And you know, while I'm sending that text, this is what the Holy Spirit said to me. At least they're out here praying while all the cool kids are at home watching TV. I sent a text, delete those texts. Got to guard my heart. I, there's a lot of things that God does in people, through people that I don't fully understand. But I'm not going to judge their motives. The person that's up the front twirling and doing that. Like, I'm not going to go fruitcake, fanatic. I don't know what God's done in her life, his life. I don't know why he's so grateful. But let him go. Let her go. Celebrate it. Wow, your story must be amazing. Sadly, here's the last thing we hear about this lady, at least in this setting. Verse 23, Michael, the daughter of Saul, had no children to the day of her death. It is possible that bitterness caused barrenness. Can I encourage you? Don't 
take that wounded heart into another year. Because the wound can create poison and the poison can do so much damage. But I want to take you back to David, and this is where we're going to close. Because he's now, he's, you, you, you can't hold passion in. David said to Michael, it was before the Lord who chose me rather than your father or anyone else from his household. And when he appointed me ruler over the Lord's house of Israel, I will celebrate before the Lord. In fact, sweetheart, write this down. I will become even more undignified than this. You, you ain't seen nothing yet. And I will be humiliated in my own eyes. Here's, here's something I'm passionate about. But by these slave girls you spoke about, I will be held in honour. Let me, let me highlight in the last two minutes the four declarations he made that I encourage us all to get to a place where we can ably say it with confidence. Number one, I know who I am. I was right at the end of the packing order. In fact, I was the last one. My dad didn't even think enough of me to call me into the house when, the, when Samuel the prophet came to anoint the next king. I, I, I was the out of sight, out of mind guy, but God anointed me and he chose me. I'm not here because I've somehow got some deal. I'm not here because I'm part of some privileged family. I'm, I'm just an ordinary guy that got the presence and power of God. That's my story. And the second thing he said, I will celebrate. In fact, can I, can I, how about it, Futures Church, in 2024? We, go, we just make it a, I'm gonna celebrate with all my might. I'm gonna shout, I'm gonna sing. And if I'm able to, I'm gonna dance, I'm gonna clap. I gotta let out. If I don't let it out, I'm gonna bust. Because he's worth, somebody say amen. Somebody give the Lord a praise offering. He is worthy to be praised. Third thing he said, he said, I'll humble myself before the Lord. This is a big thought. We can't unpack it today. We even saw it in one of the lines of the songs we're singing. There's something that God does in, in the heart of a humble person. The final thing he said, you know what? Judge me all you like, but I'm going to tell you something. I will be honored by those that are bound. Jesus said in Luke 4, 18, he said, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Here's the big word, because. Because. If you come to Hope Center, there's three words. Because people matter. It's on every building that we own. We do everything because people matter, not only to us, but to God. You know, we could summarize what Jesus said. The, the presence, His glory is upon me. Here's why, because God loves bound, broken, blind and he's anointed me, not just for me to feel good on Sunday, but there's slaves in our community, slaves to addiction, slaves to the effect of domestic violence, slaves to the consequences of their path. And God has given us the ark to carry. And as we carry it amongst them, we can help them get set free. I had dinner with one of my friends at our church. We have a shower truck where we take it to the tent cities and, and the, 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 the homeless people, which is just a growing population. Can you believe it? We've got more and more people living in tents and cars in the 21st century in our nation. It's crazy. And we can look at the news and go, ah, oh, tell them to get a better job. We can just bring the ark to them. Sat and listened to stories. Last week, we had a commissioning service for our people that work at Nimi's house. It's a ministry we started 
over a decade ago for children that are falling through the system in school, not because they're dumb, it's just that family is so chaotic. They can't study, they're going to school unwashed, they're going to school without food. So schools have given us 10 of them. I think we're up to seven different schools, different facilities now, 10 of them per cohort for a whole year. And you know some of those kids, one of them turned up three years ago and all they had their shoes, it looked good on top until they lifted these foot. There was nothing, there was no soul on the bottom of their shoe. Just wanted to fit in and feel like he was accepted. We called him Jimmy, so we brought Jimmy into the program. At the end of the year, Jimmy won at his school, student of the year. What changed him? Yes, some love, yes, some acceptance and kindness and some life skills, but let me tell you, it was the presence of God. Jimmy couldn't even quite explain that, but he knew he got under the influence of it. And let me tell you something, God is calling the church to a new day where we say, pour out your spirit upon us, but we're not gonna pour it out and keep it to ourselves. We've been, we've been called to the kingdom for such a time as this. We're priests that are meant to get so full of the Holy Ghost that wherever we go, it drips and it touches. And the slave boys and the slave girls and the people that are bound are set free just cause we turn up representing Jesus. I pray this sermon has blessed you, encouraged you and inspired you. You know, we may never have met, I may not know you, but God knows you. And I'll tell you today, God loves you. That even before you knew about Him, He loved you. And He has a plan and a purpose for your life. You know, so many of us do life on our own, trying to lead our life in a way that finds answers and finds the peace and finds the joy we're looking for, but we come up short. But God knew that you needed rescuing, that you needed saving, that you needed His love. So He sent His Son, Jesus, to come and pay the price for our mistakes. He lived a perfect life, but knowing we couldn't, He said, I will take their place. So He died and rose again so that His death could pay the penalty for my mistakes and my past, and His life could make a way so that I could have life. I believe that when you believe in what Jesus did, and when you invite Him to be Lord of your life, you can experience forgiveness, peace, hope, joy, purpose and life like you've never known before. It's not about what we've done or who we're not. It's about that we have a God who's good, who can turn things for good and loves you. He's a father, he's a friend, and you can invite him into your life today by simply saying this prayer after me. I'm gonna say this prayer and wherever you are, wherever you're watching around the world, pray this prayer with me. Maybe you once knew God and you walked away. You know what, maybe he's getting your attention today to say, come back into relationship with me. Maybe you've known religion, but never a real genuine relationship with God. Why don't you say this prayer too? And I believe this can be the beginning of a great new day. Let's pray. Dear God, Thank you for loving me and giving your life for me. I pray you forgive me for my past and you walk with me into my tomorrow. Let me know your grace, your forgiveness, your peace, your purpose, your joy and your hope into my life. I ask you to lead me and guide me from this day forward. Be Lord of who I am in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer today. I believe that as you did, the peace, the grace, and the love of God comes into your life. 
you know what, the past is real, but it doesn't have to dictate your future. Let the love, the grace and the Word of God go with you from this day forward. And I believe the best days are ahead for you. If you prayed this prayer or you want to know more, maybe you're on the journey, why don't you flick us an email so we can send you some material about following Jesus. We can maybe connect you with a local church near you that you can do life with, get good people around you, and we would love to pray with you. I'm so glad you prayed that prayer. I'm so glad you're on the journey of following Jesus. I'm so glad you listened today. God bless.